0: Due to COVID-19, Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia has begun worshiping every Sunday through a pre-recorded service video. You're about to hear a message from a portion of that video delivered by Joe Song. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Jesus is speaking to them in parables and and the thing about parables, right, We've been. this is the third parable that we've been in. Jesus has been talking to the, the Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests, the religious elite. These are like the, the religious people. So if you feel like you're a religious person, it's, it's probably you. You know what I'm saying? Growing up, I always used to think I, was, I wasn't the Pharisees. And the older I get, I realize like, oh, my gosh, like I am, these are, this is me, right? And uh, so Jesus is speaking to them in parables. He's revealing to them the truth about the kingdom of god to them which is amazing because these are his enemies like why would jesus he knows that these guys are going to try to kill him he knows that they 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 hate him right and but at the same time he spends an entire chapter he spends all this time trying to teach them about the kingdom he's been telling them parable after parable like hoping giving them a chance to understand and to repent right? And he hits them over and over and over again. And every single time, he's giving them a chance to repent. He doesn't hate his enemies. He, these are his enemies, and he is loving them by giving them parables, trying to reveal their own hearts to them, guys. And so, like, that is the mercy of God, that he is even, like, pointing out to them their own sin, because God loves these guys, and he won't just give them a fluffy, you guys are doing great sort of message. He is doing a, you guys need to change because I love you and I want you to turn around. So if you guys ever feel convicted or feel like, you know, someone is yelling at you, um, you know, like convicting you of your own sin, it's out of love and mercy. So giving you a chance to to change. And so Jesus gives them another parable, giving them another opportunity um, to really change. And so in verse two, it says, so the father, uh, he, he, now, this time at first it was a father in the first parable. Next, it's a master. This time it is a king. You can see that there is a rise in the level of authority of who God is. He's raising the stakes every single parable. And this time it is a wedding feast. And that's what the kingdom is. Like you guys know that we're all headed to an eternal wedding feast. Revelation 19, when we see it, there's a wedding that we are, and we are not just invited as guests, but if you, if you're, if you are the church, you are the one getting married you're getting married to Christ right i don't know if you guys mar- remember your own wedding days right i don't know it just feels like yesterday for some of us right where you just you were the bride and there you were just standing there you and a computer and your husband like you know it's it's an amazing uh, it's like an amazing occasion and that's what we're all headed towards if we are part of the the his kingdom in verse 3 it says the servant sent out invitations And they were refused. They would not come. Like the people ignored the king's invitation. Like, I don't think we understand what a big deal this is. Because like, we don't have kings. But in Jesus's day, they were much more familiar with like, this is not something you do. Kings, like the concept of a king was so real to them. Like in the book of Esther, like the king of Babylon, like this was the queen. And she was so scared. To even approach the presence of the king of Babylon without being summoned. You know, like the punishment for showing up without being invited by the king was death. Right. And so she literally told everyone like, OK, I'm going to go into the king's room without him asking me to come. Everyone fast for three days because if I'm, I'm going to risk my life just to step into his presence. That's what it meant to like. That's what kings were. They were powerful. People, they were revered. They were to be listened to and respected. Like when King David, he was like, when they were in the middle of a battle and King David was like, I am thirsty. I really wish I had some water from the well in Jerusalem. His mighty men literally went and fought through like an entire army of people just to go bring him a cup of water from the well that he wanted it from. Like, that's how they looked at kings. I mean, it was a ridiculous regret. And then David's like, I can't drink this now. You guys risk your life for it. And he pours it out. And then they're all like, what the heck? David, you know, but, you know, but I'm just saying, like, the respect that you had for a king is something that we in our modern day cannot understand. And so the, the fact when Jesus says that these servants, these went and they invited the king's guests, and they refused, that's shocking. These were the king's guests, and it was his son's wedding. And they said no, like, that's insane. And then in verse four, it says, Again, he sent his messengers. This is a theme of patience. God is a patient God. All throughout the Old Testament, he sends them messengers again and again, telling them to repent, telling them to turn. Like, and this again, like he, he sends another, that the first refusal, he should have just destroyed them all. It was in his right to do so. But instead he gives them mercy and he gives them another opportunity. And then what do they do? with that opportunity, they ignore some of them, they brush off, pay no attention to, and then some actually take the king's servants and they beat them and they kill them. Like this is verse five. They go off to their own business. They're too busy. I I need to go tend to my farm, my own business. Like how many of us are guilty of this, right? We are too busy with our own lives, with our own business, and we ignore the invitation of God to the things of his kingdom, to his, to his celebration. And we give them these excuses and just as ridiculous as this must have sounded to the people in Jesus to say, like, wow, these guys are refusing the King's invitation to the wedding of his son because of their own business. This is, this is absurd, but it is absurd because that's what the Israelites did to God as well. Every time God would send messengers, to bring them back to his law. God is trying to bring Israel into his kingdom. They continue to just ignore God doing their own things. They were so busy with the things that God gave them. They ignored and forgot God over and over. And every prophet they sent, they ignored and they killed. And this is something we've been looking at every single week. Jesus is showing us this is what they did over and over and over again. Some just ignored, some killed these prophets. Like, and that's just so outrageous. Like, it's such a, like, you know, this, this parable, like there's some really outrageous sort of things that happen. Like one, like if someone invites you to a, a wedding and you're too busy, do you kill the person? Right? Like who does that? This is so ridiculous. Like, yo man, come to my birthday. It's like, no, nah, I'm busy. Die. It's like what? like, what? Like who does that? Right. And that's, that's kind of what Jesus is showing. Like how ridiculous this is. Like, God is inviting you into his kingdom, into a wedding feast. And then the way we respond is we get angry and we fight against God and we rebel against him and against his, against his people. Now, so that's what they do. They, they completely offend this king. And this isn't a weak king because look what the king does next, right? This isn't some weak king little nobody king that has no power that nobody respects this is a king that literally at the at the snap of his fingers can kill everybody so he has power he is a powerful king and so it that makes it even more ridiculous that these guys would disrespect ignore beat the servants of a king that is this powerful like how like it's it's really hard to imagine why they would do this and so that jesus's original listeners would also be thinking like Why would these guys do this, disrespect their king like this? Do they not know that the king could kill them? He could punish them. And that's exactly what the king does. He, this earthly king, he kills the people who who did this, who ignored him, who disrespected him. And then he burns their cities, right? Now, this makes us uncomfortable because we're like, whoa, man, like that's kind of messed up, you know? But remember, this is a parable and Jesus is making a comparison. He's not saying this is who God is, but this is what he is comparing the kingdom of God like. And so what Jesus is trying to compare for us is if this is how serious the consequences for offending an earthly king, how much worse he's comparing? It. How much greater of an offense is it when we human beings ignore and offend and refuse the invitation of the almighty God of the universe. You guys hear what I'm saying? Like, like you offend a human king, you get killed. You offend the almighty God, how much greater of an offense is that? Right? It's, it's so ridiculous, the degree of refusing the king of, of, of kings. And so like that's the first thing. Jesus is trying to say like you, the Israelites, you refused the God again and again. He gave you chance after chance, and he's trying to invite you into something good. He's trying to invite you into a wedding feast, and you were so busy with your own little lives, with your own little business, and you you blatantly spit in the king's face. What do you think the Almighty God is going to do? And that's exactly what they're doing right now, because the son, himself is standing in front of them and they are rejecting him. And they're about to kill the son of the living God in at the end of this week. It's crazy, but then there's, and so that, that could be the sermon in and of itself, but then Jesus goes on and he says, so then Jesus, so that the King then burns them. He, he, he rejects, he burns their cities, kills them. And then he goes out and he invites a whole nother group of people. A bunch of random people. He's like, because he's like, the wedding's still going to happen. The food is ready. Who's going to fill it? So go out and invite everyone and anyone, anyone who's on the street. It doesn't matter whether they're worthy. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're bad or good. Just get everyone, invite them to this banquet. The, the, the hall is open, right? So the invitation goes out in, in verse nine and everyone is able to come. There's, it has nothing to do with their morality, their ethnicity, or their standing. Everyone can come. And so like, but then this, and then this is where a lot of times we want the, the parable to end, right? This is the, this is the, um, the gospel that we're used to. Like, okay, the Israelites are out. The Gentiles are in. Now, anyone and everyone, regardless of who you are, whether you're bad or good, you are allowed and you're invited into the kingdom and we just want it to end there and that's usually where our services end like so you're all invited it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter who you are god invites everybody everyone come to the front say the prayer you're invited into the kingdom you're invited into the wedding everybody show up and then we end it there but the parable doesn't end there because it that's not what the kingdom is it's not just this open invitation everyone comes in yes everyone's invited And it's completely by grace, not by merit. But then in verse 11, but then the king came in to look at the guests, and he saw a man with no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. You guys. So I asked Edward earlier this week, I'm like, yo, bro, like, do I need to dress up? Right. And uh, you know it's a Zoom wedding, but it, yeah, like of course I, I I wore the whole suit. I even joked with Grace. I was like, I actually before the wedding I was on the top was a suit and on the bottom I was wearing pajama pants, and I was actually about to officiate the wedding uh, with the top of the suit and the bottom of the pajama pants. And um, actually, about a couple of minutes before the the ceremony began, I I felt wrong. <laughs> I felt. Edward and Deborah, you guys don't know about this, but I was literally standing there in my pajama pants and then on top because I thought it was funny, right? And then when the wedding was about to begin, I was like, "Wait, this is wrong!" Like, even though they don't know, like this is their wedding. Like, there is like there needs to be a sense of some like respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's it's a special day, like it's a wedding, and and so even though it was through Zoom, right? There is a sense of honor and respect, even for just another, this isn't, Edward's not even a king. He's just a friend, right? Like if you're invited to a wedding, a friend's wedding, do you not dress up? Of course you do. You don't just show up wearing whatever out of respect and honor for your friend, right? Like all of us, when you're headed, when you're going to a wedding, everyone knows you're going to a wedding. Like if you had, if you stopped on the way to a wedding to fill to go to the gas station, right? And you walked into that gas station, what would everyone would look at you? Because why? Because you're clearly going somewhere special. Because you look like you're going to a wedding. Because when you go to when you get an invitation to a wedding, you dress up, you change your clothes, and you get ready to go. And we do that for human beings. For friends, for one another. We do that for Zoom weddings, but then we don't even do that. We don't even prepare our lives for the kingdom of God when we are invited. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine? Like, like we, we hear all the time, like, you know, Jesus, you know, just come as you are. Jesus, you know, He 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 loves you as you are right and then we just leave it there but that's not true that, yes everyone's invited but then we got we got to change for the wedding we got to change your clothes you can't just show up to the wedding and, and then like what are you wearing and be like well this is what i was wearing when the invitation came so i mean this is you know like i thought it was fine you know like what I was playing video games in my underwear and then the email came for the wedding invitation. And then uh, that's what I was wearing. That's what I'm wearing now. You know, it's like, no, that's ridiculous. Like everyone should know if you get the wedding invitation, it doesn't matter what you were wearing. When you receive the invitation, you change, you change the outer garments and you put on something new. And that is what's going on here. Yes. Everyone is invited into the kingdom. Everyone is, but not everyone can stay to the end and the thing that i don't want any of us to ever hear is this question from god when we are standing at the wedding feast of the lamb like imagine how like there's a korean word for it it's called agude uh, i don't know what the translation for that is does anyone know what that word is in like regretful right or something it's like on, it's unfair what is it unfair Unfair, yeah, like that unfair, like regretful feeling. Like you, you you get to the kingdom, you see Jesus, you see the wedding feast, and you show up, and you your whole life, you think you're going because you got the invitation, and so you're you think you're in, you get there, and then you're like, Yeah, I'm getting in, I'm at the feast, and you're like, you see the angels, you see Jesus, you see all of it, you see heaven, the new Jerusalem coming down, and you're so excited to get in there, and then suddenly. God comes and he looks at you and he says, friend, where are your wedding garments? Who lets you in without them? And you're just like, you have nothing to say. You're speechless because you're like, wait, I didn't know I was supposed to change for this thing. Right? And he says, who lets you in without this wedding garments? And you know what? I'll tell you who let you in. The church let you in. Easy Christianity let you in. The fact that we wanted so many people to say yes to Jesus and we didn't want to scare anyone off. That's who let you into the kingdom. That we said that you can say yes to Jesus, but you don't have to change your life. You don't have to change. You don't have to take off your old clothes. You don't have to take off your sins. Just come. Come as you are and just stay that way. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Even though there's zero change in your life, just come. Just say yes to Jesus. Accept the invitation. But then we forgot to tell you the other part. You got to change your clothes. You got to put on Christ. You can't just walk into the king's like, look what happened to the group of people who disrespected him just before. The, the Israelites, they were all destroyed because they disrespected this king. And we think we, we are different. We think that now we can walk in disrespectfully. No, it's the same king. You know, where is your wedding garment? We, 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 we said the kingdom is here, but we forgot to tell you you need to repent. We've been only teaching a half gospel to our generation. I grew up hearing a half gospel. I heard you're invited, you're invited, you're invited, everyone's invited. But then no one told me that I need to change my life, that it's going to cost me everything. People said salvation's free, but then they also forgot to tell me that it's free to get in, but it costs everything to receive it. Right? The garment that we are required to wear in order to enter the kingdom is perfection. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Do you guys know who said that? Jesus said that. He was not joking. You must be perfect. That is the garment that we are supposed to wear to put on Christ. That is the wedding garment. It's absolute perfection. Is that you right now? Jesus told his disciples, it's not free. Discipleship isn't a free thing. Jesus said, if anyone, that's the, see, there's that invitation. Anyone, everyone is welcome. If anyone would come after me, right? Everyone can, anyone can. It doesn't matter who you are, but he, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Yes, salvation is a free gift, but it costs you everything. You need t- Yes. Elizabeth. Are you okay? All right, Ellie. I'll, I'll see that in a second, okay? All right. Thank um, you. Sorry about that. Where was I? Oh yeah. So the invitation, but you got you have to forsake your your current clothing. Right? Because your I'm I'm going to tell you this right now. Your current clothing is not is not good enough. It's not worthy you're, you're wearing rags. We, when we came, when we received the gospel, we were in rags of our own filth. And I know we don't like that. Like what this parable is saying is your current life, your, situ- your sins are offensive to God and to the king. And if you come into his presence with your sins, with your old life, you will offend him and you will be thrown out of the kingdom where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It doesn't matter if you were invited, if you come, with rams see this is so like i never liked this parable growing up because it like it doesn't fit with my nice perception of god now this is mean this is so mean like right like we were told that like our culture taught us that like you need to feel good about yourself right it says you are perfect just as you are you are a special snowflake as long as you learn to accept yourself you don't need a change right you just need to learn to love yourself that's the key to life but you know that statement in and of itself is a contradictory statement because they say you don't need a change but you just need to learn to love yourself you're just told them that they need a change right you guys, some of you, that went over here. But here's the thing. What they, our culture tells us is the problem is not you, but it's anyone that tells you that you're wrong. Anyone who tells you the change or makes you feel bad about yourself, makes you feel unworthy, makes you feel judged, then they're the evil person. They're the problem, not you. They need a change, which is another contradiction. Right. Like you're saying, like, you don't need to change. They need it. Anyone that makes you feel like you need to change is the one who needs to change. But then they, you know, that's, it's totally contradictory. It doesn't make any sense. But that's the garbage that we've been told in every Disney movie all over the world, all over culture. That's what our world tells us. And it's completely anti gospel. It's completely false and it's a lie from the devil. It sounds nice on the outside, but it's leading our entire generation straight to hell because the gospel says, We need to change. We are not worthy. We're not okay as we are. We need to repent. We're all going the wrong way. We're not worthy. We're not okay as we are. The Bible says we are wretched, blind, corrupt. It says we are dead. We are so far from okay. We are so far from lovable. Don't accept yourself. Don't love yourself. We That is not okay. Don't accept it because it's, we're not, don't accept it. Don't accept yourself. Accept Jesus and change. Don't learn to love where you are. Yes, God meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave you where you are because he loves you too much for that. You guys hear that? He meets you where you are, but he loves us way too much to leave us there. The gospel calls us not to settle for who we are, but it calls us upwards to a higher calling. It doesn't say just accept your filthy rags. It says to get rid of your filthy rags. Take them off and receive Christ. Put on Jesus and take your rags of your old life and nail them to the cross. The world says accept yourself. Jesus says deny yourself. The world says follow your heart. Jesus says to follow me. So, guys, a lot of us here today, you have received the invitation of God into his kingdom. You have. But you might not be chosen. Because you don't have, you're not wearing Christ. You, re, you said yes to the invitation and you might have showed up and you might have went to church. You believe in the, the facts of the gospel and you believe it in your heart and you felt things. And maybe you said yes to Jesus, but when you look at your life, you are not covered in the character of Jesus. You're not covered by the clothing of his blood and your life. And the reason why you know is because you don't look like him. You don't sound like him. You sound like everybody else. If you're not wearing wedding clothes, it's not hard to tell. Right? You're, there's no difference in our life than everyone else. And so guys, here's what we need to do. There's two things. If Because I, I don't think the problem with a lot of us is the invitation because we've all been invited. You've all heard the gospel. And all of you might believe, a lot of you might believe, but what did Jesus say at the end? He said, many, right, are called. And that's many, but few are chosen. So the question for all of us is then how do I know that I'm not the many, and I want to be the few, right? Like, nod your head if you want, I want to make sure that you're one of the, the few, that you're actually the chosen, right? All of us, none of us want to be the guy who Jesus taps you on the shoulder at the end and he's like, "Who let you in, right? And so this is what we got to do, guys. First, you need to take off the old clothes. Right now, let's just begin. No, I'm just kidding, right? We got to take off the old clothes. This is called repentance. You got to take off your sins. You got to give, you have to surrender your own desires, your old life, and the things that you've been living for. So here's how you take off it. You have to, number one, you got to confess to God and to those you have sinned against. And you got to come into the light. This is a daily thing. Every day, you got to confess your sins to the Lord. You got to confess to one another. Here, let me throw up some verses really quick. Like, let me, so this is how you, it says here. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Uh, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you do this? Do you do this like every day? Or do you only do this once a year during a retreat? To be clothed with Christ, that like you need to be, how often do you change your clothes? I hope it's every day. You need to change your clothes. You need to take off your old clothes from yesterday and put on new clothes every single day. You need to confess your sins and then he will forgive you. And you need to be cleansed every single day. You need to take off those sins. You need to confess to God. You need to confess to anyone else. So like, here's the thing. If your sins impact anyone else. You need to first confess to God and then you need to confess to them, confess to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If you're married and you're lusting with your heart or your mind or your, with your eyes, you need to confess to God first and then you need to go and confess to your wife, whom you've made a, um, or your wife or your husband to whom you've made a covenant with, to whom that sin, um, is connected to. If you've lied to your parents, you need to first confess to God. And then you need to go and confess to your parents to whom that sin uh, you know, pertains to. So first, you got to do that. That's why it's built into the Lord's Prayer, which is a daily prayer to confess your sins, to forgive us my sins. You got to admit them specifically. You need to be able to recognize your sin. But here's the thing. If you don't, if you, if you don't like feel very sinful there's a lot of people who are like you know i don't i don't think i have anything to confess i i think i'm a pretty good person you know what like i'm I'm a decent guy if that's you i'm a pretty decent girl i'm not like you know samantha she needs to confess persons, sins but not me right like because i'm pretty good if that's you then you're probably not saved. <laughs> okay if you don't think you're sinful or if you think you have nothing to confess then you're clearly um yeah, you're not a, you're not a believer because this is what it says. It says uh, if we say we are we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in you. That means the truth of God is not in you if you do if you are not daily aware of your own sinfulness. And if you don't have a growing aware, if you're like, you know, I'm pretty good. I've been a Christian for a couple of years. I had a couple of problems, but I stopped doing that stuff now and I'm pretty good. If you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, then this is what Jesus says to you. Not realizing that you are wretched pitiful uh poor and blind and naked you if if you think you're good then you're blind if you're sitting here today and you have no conviction of sin you don't feel like there's no battle in your life or your heart of sins every single day then you are blind or or you are dead (laughs) and you need to do what blind people do when they need jesus they cry out for Jesus to open up their eyes, then you need to cry out. If you have no conviction of sin in your life, then you need to cry out and say, Jesus, I feel like I'm pretty good. Open my eyes to my my sin and save me. Some of you need to do that today because you're still wearing your old clothes and you can't even see how filthy they are. Because if you want to take off your clothes, if you want to take off the old sin, you need to ask God for a growing disgust towards sin. Romans chapter 12, verse nine says, "Love. let love be genuine and abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. You need to ask God to increase your disgust towards sin. You need to get to a point where you abhor it. Some of us still love our sins. We don't think it's a big deal. We, we have for years have fallen in love with our sins and we keep justifying it, saying it's not a big deal. You know, oh, it's just when I'm, I just get, I fall into this when I'm, but I'm tired or I'm just stressed. Or, you know, other people, they do this too. And we try to justify, if we do not abhor this sin, it's either Christ is not in your life or you are so blind and you are wretched. And look at Paul, Apostle Paul. He says, like, he's like one of the holiest guys ever. The greatest evangelist mission area. This is what he said. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He is aware of his sin, of the depths of his sin. And he is aware that every day he needs to take off the old clothes, he needs to take off the rags, and he needs to come to Jesus every day and confess and be humble and say, Jesus, wash my feet. Jesus says, If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. In John 13:8. Right? So, guys. You might be invited to the wedding, but listen, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We need to put on something new. We need to take off. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Guys, I know all of us have desires right? But we can't live like God is not in your room right now, seeing everything that's on your browser, everything that you search for, like we pretend like God can't see. Sometimes I pretend like God can't see. But then every time we realize what we're doing, we need to confess. We need to confess to God. We need to confess to one another. And we need to say, God, please get me out of this darkness." I wanna take this off and I wanna live in the light. Every time I sin, I gotta, I have to confess and I gotta go tell my wife, I gotta tell my accountability guys. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make an illusion that I'm perfect, but I have to tell them the truth. And then in Ephesians, and then, so that's take that, all of that. So I'm going really long. You got, sorry, but that's, that's, that's taking off. But now, what do we have to do? Like, you can't just take off and ask for forgiveness because you're still not ready for the wedding. Because if you take off all your old clothes and all your old rags and you take a shower, you're still not ready for the wedding because now you're just naked, right? You're no longer like dirty and filthy, but you can't show up to a wedding naked. That's not okay. You will be asked to leave, right? And so like, that's part one, but you gotta take it off. And, but then now you gotta put it on. It says now that you, Ephesians 4, it says put off your old stuff which belongs to your formal manner of life. As is uh, um, and its corrupt deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be renewed this is the putting on put on the new self created after the likeness of god in the true righteousness and holiness guys we have to now put on the new self it says don't lie to each other seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices but having put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So the question is, how? What does it look like to put on the new self? It is to be renewed in the knowledge of the creator. It starts with the renewing of your mind. It starts with knowing, learning to know who God is. That's when you start to put on Christ. And the way we put on, in, later on in that in that same chapter, it says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It starts with the word of Christ. So my question to you, is the word of Christ dwelling richly in your life right now? Is it? Is it it stored up in you? Is it running through your mind throughout the day? Or do you like not even think about it all? Do you not even read the Bible? like is if it's not then you're not putting on Christ. How could you put on Christ if you don't have his word dwelling within you? Don't you know who Christ is? He is the word who has been made flesh. You cannot have Christ. You can't put him on if you don't put on the word into your mind and you don't have it in you like Psalm chapter 119 verse 9. It says do you it says you know Like, may I guard my heart. A young man, it says, Young man, do not sin. May you guard your heart with the word of God. Is the word of God guarding your heart? John 17, 7, it says, Sanctify. Jesus says, May they be sanctified by the truth. And your word, O God, is truth. Are you being sanctified by his word? Psalm 119, 119 verse um, 97 says, I meditate upon your word all day. Are you thinking about his word? All day long. It's not just a fifteen-minute quiet time in the morning. But does that word in the morning does it go with you throughout the day? Is it with you throughout the day? Does Scripture come to your mind when situations come? John fifteen seven. It says you need to abide in me by abiding in my word. Number one thing that we need to do to be able to put on Christ once you have already received the invitation of Jesus. Okay, you first got to receive the invitation of his grace and of the gospel and of his death and resurrection. That's one. But then now that you're there, you got to put him on by filling your life with the word of Christ. And there's so many of us right now that the word of God is not dwelling within you richly. It's barely a part of your life. You're not clothed in him. And if Jesus and if the king came right now, I don't know what he's going to say to you. You need to put on his word. You need to read it. You need to meditate on it. And then second, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in prayer. So first, put on Christ. You need to first, read. you know, you need to meditate on his word. You got to study his word. You got to fill your life with his word, right? Number two, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in prayer. I don't have the verses up. Sorry, I ran out of time. But Ephesians chapter five, just write these down. Uh, You can look them up later. But Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, it talks about being, it says, don't get drunk on wine. Don't fill your life with, with evil things like wine and, and, and things that make you sin, but instead be filled with the spirit of God, right? In order to put on Christ, you need to put on his mind, which comes from his word. And Now you need to put on his spirit, which comes through prayer. Acts chapter four, verse 31, write that down. It says that when the, when the, Believers got together, they prayed together. And when they prayed, the entire place started to shake and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when Pentecost first came in Acts chapter 2, you know what they were doing? They were gathered together and they were worshiping and praying. And that's when the Holy Spirit came. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, God, Jesus commands us to be clothed, that you will be clothed with power from on high. But he only says that we will, that will happen is that he tells us, tells us to wait on him and to pray so that, that we will be clothed with that power. The Holy Spirit, to be clothed with the power of the Spirit, we, it, it is always connected with either preaching of his word or prayer. So do either one of those things. Every day, get up and start preaching the gospel to somebody new or start praying if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 It talks about how the Holy Spirit, when you it prays for you, it intercedes for you, it groans even when you don't know what to pray. There is this constant link with prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6 18 says, pray in the Spirit at all times. If you guys want to put on Christ, number one, get his word into your mind, your soul every single day. And then number two, pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Give thanks to God in the Spirit. Get on your knees and pray. If you forget, set a timer on your phone and then when that timer gets goes off, get on your knees no matter where you are and just pray and ask God for his Spirit, confess and pray and be washed by his word and asking for his direction. And when you start to do that, your life is going to start looking different. You're going to start looking like someone who's headed to the wedding feast of the lamb. Amen. That is what is, that's how we put on Christ. And the final thing is you have to just love people. Once you fill your mind with the word and you fill your life with the prayer of the Holy Spirit, then, then that is what enables you to start loving God and loving people. A lot of us, we try to love God and love people without scripture and without prayer and the Holy Spirit. And we just try to do it on our own. That's why most of you get burnt out. That's why most of you, when you think about evangelism, you freak out and you don't want to do it because you're not filled with the word of God. You're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's all a drag. That's why serving at church, you burn yourselves out because you're not doing these things first. But you love God and you love people when you you are filled with the spirit and with his word. This is why we do pre-recorded service. Because I go really long in real life. Most of you forgot. But I'll close now. Matthew chapter 20, to the last verse, Jesus says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Guys, please let's fight to be not just the called. It's easy to be called. I mean, I think all of us have been called. Guys, we need to be the chosen. We need to take off our sins every day. We got to repent and be washed. And confess and fight our sin. And then, as we stand naked before the Lord every morning, we need to start putting on the mind of Christ, put on his spirit, and then put on his words and his actions as we start to live that out through the power of his spirit. And when we get to the wedding feast of the Lamb, and God taps you on your shoulder, and you turn around and you're shocked and you're like, Oh, it's God. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say, Oh, you look nice. Where'd you get that? And you will be like, Oh, this, it's your sons. He gave it to me when he gave me his life on the cross. And I gave him my filthy rags in exchange. And then he took my rags and put it on and, Went to the cross and died so that I could walk away with these perfect robes of royalty. And, and then you're going to turn and you're going to see Jesus and you're going to realize that the wedding was actually for you. <laughs> That's our wedding. That he's been calling us to himself this whole time. Like we think that God wants to ruin our life. You know, like we don't trust him. Like we think our sins are going to lead us somewhere better. And we think that God's just going to take away all of our fun. But guys, he's not. He's calling us to his kingdom. He's calling us to a wedding feast. He's calling us to himself. So guys, like these filthy rags are not worth it. Let's let's get rid of them. And every day let's put on the beautiful robes, the spotless robes of the Lamb of God. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision podcast. We hope you are blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.